job this morning. Um, if you hadn't noticed, uh, Darren is out of town today. And so we had uh, the other half, the other twin, and uh, the band uh, leading us this morning. So thank you all for, for that. Uh, you know that we're in Luke chapter 15, and uh, we've got a couple more weeks that we're going to look at this story. But today is a pivotal moment in the story that we're going to look at. And, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting when all the music, you know, it all kind of ties together. Uh, I love it when God uh, allows uh, all of our hearts and minds to kind of be joined together through the worship and singing. And uh, that last song is uh, perfect for what we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 15. Uh, because it is the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to be looking in particular at his realization that he is far from home, that he is lost, that he has wandered away from where he could have been. Now, let's just take a moment and let's evaluate for ourselves and think about a time when you were lost. Think about a time when you were not where you thought you were going to be. I remember I was going to a concert with a friend of mine. Uh, many of you may not even know who this person is, Michael Card. And uh, we had somehow heard he was playing in Raleigh. And so we were, we were going to go to this concert. When we got to where we thought the concert was, we ended up wandering in the forest. I don't know how that happened. But we were wandering for over an hour and a half and never made it to the concert. We could hear things, <laughs> but it wasn't music. <laughs> I can't tell you how frustrating that was because my intention was to go see something, someone that I wanted to see. I, I really had like played it up in my mind. This was going to be a great, great night. And for an hour and a half, it was mis misery. It was torture. It was not fun at all. Some of you may have had some experience like that in your life. Some of you may have gotten lost much simpler in an apartment store. <laughs> When you were like four or five, right? Or maybe some of you when you were 45. I don't know. <laughs> it's not hard to do these days because malls are growing. Places like this are happening where it's not difficult for you to lose someone. There have been times when even at Ross, I'm with my mom <laughs> and I lose her. <laughs> I'm thinking, how, how hard is this? <laughs> and I've gone every aisle. But you know why I lose her? It's because she's looking for me. <laughs> And so we're just kind of doing this circle, right? I'm looking for her. She's looking for me. But isn't it that way with God sometimes? That we think, oh, nobody's looking for us. Oh, yes, God is looking for you on your search for him. And it's just you need to find that place to connect, that meeting place. Some of you, that place might even be here today. You may not have thought you were looking for God, but God is looking for you. And you've been going in this circle just thinking, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. You're not lost. God sees you. God knows right where you are. And today, as we look at this story about the prodigal, and I've called this the prodigal progression. Because, you see, sometimes we feel like we're not getting anywhere. We feel like, oh, you know, all I'm doing is taking like two steps forward and ten steps back. Sometimes God allows us to take some steps back so we realize how much we need Him. You see, progress doesn't always look like you're moving forward. 
Sometimes you've got to stop and evaluate some things. Sometimes you need to come to the end of your rope. Sometimes you need to hit rock bottom. And this is why some people have never really gotten farther because they haven't hit rock bottom yet. But you see, when you hit rock bottom, when you get to that place where there is nowhere else but up to go, then you start making progress. Look at this. In Luke 15, we're going to focus predominantly today on verses 13 through 17. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. I think it's kind of funny that whatever he got from his father, he was able to pack up in a couple of days and take off. So anyway, for him, it was a lot more than what he had. But he gets it all together and he says, okay, I've got what's mine and now I'm just leaving. I'm going to go. And then it says this, and there he wasted now, if you don't highlight a lot of things in your Bibles, I want to encourage you, maybe highlight this word, wasted. Because it is real easy to waste things. It is real easy to take things that we have for granted. It's real easy for us to not appreciate how much goes into obtaining something, especially when it's given to you. Uh, I'm guilty of this. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid... And Christmas would come, and I'd see all those presents around that tree. I wasn't thinking about how much it cost everybody. <laughs> I was just glad they gave it to me. I wasn't saying, wow, how's it, how long is it going to take you to pay for that? Right? I wasn't thinking, how long have you been saving for that to give me everything I want? And so this, this young son, he doesn't understand how much his father has given up for him to have what he has. And when we don't appreciate what we have, you know what you can do? You just go out and you just waste it. Because it didn't cost you anything. So you got to be careful with the things that you receive. Because the things that you receive really do cost someone something. This father had worked all of his life. And when the son comes and says, give me what is mine... The father does that, but then look at what he does. The son goes out and he wastes it. He wastes all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This progression, he's going from one thing to another thing to another thing, but what's happening? It doesn't look like he's making any climb, right? The progression is actually a regression. He's like losing little by little, lot by lot by lot. He's losing a lot. He's wasting, wasting, wasting. You know this? The grass isn't always greener on the other side. <laughs> Isn't it so funny that we can look at somebody's life and say, oh, wow, if I could just have that life. Oh, wow, if I could just do that. Oh, man, my life would be so much greater. Wow, this looks so much I mean, I hate this job, right? How many times have we said that? I haven't said that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I love my job. I love what I get to do. But, but you know what? I've been in jobs when I was just thinking, man, you know, I, I just hate this. And yet there are a lot of people who don't have jobs. There are a lot of people who would love to have your job. And so we've got to begin being grateful for what we have and stop comparing what we have against what other people have. 
or what we think other people have. Because let me just tell you this, everything you see on Facebook is not true. Everything you see on Instagram is not for real, for real, right? So be careful. Irma Bombeck said this. She said, the grass is greener over the septic tank. <laughs> right? You talk about waste, right? And some of us are ending up, we're wasting so much time, so much energy, so much of our money on things that really don't matter. It, it's all a waste. It's just waste. Wasteful living. This young man didn't realize how good he had it until he left. A few days go by and the boy can't handle it anymore. And so he just packs up his stuff. He can't wait to get out of town. And look at what happens. He gets there. He wastes all of his money. And about this time, the money ran out. And then what happened? Things got worse. And then what happened? After the famine comes, right? He begins to starve. Things get worse. And then what happens? Things get worse. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you think, wow, this is bad. It can't get worse. And then what does it do? It gets worse. Right? We're all guilty of thinking that. There's no way it could get any worse. And then it gets worse. And then it gets worse. My question to you is this. Are you going to be ready when it gets worse? If you think it's bad now, what are you going to do when it gets worse? If you're not careful, you're going to end up wasting what God has entrusted to you now for later. God is entrusting things to you now for later. So that when things get worse, you're ready. The only reason people are not ready then is because they were wasting now. So what are you going to do with what you've been given? I'm glad we have one person saying amen. Yeah. <laughs> you see, if there's a lesson, and there are several lessons, and I'm, I really am going to be short today. Here's one of them. Don't just live in the now. Prepare for the future. This generation, you know, I was at uh, Peachtree City Walmart the other day. By the way, they have Peachtreeopoly now. Uh, yeah, for those of you Monopoly fans, they have Peachtreeopoly, which is, which is crazy. But they also had a millennial edition. And I thought, a millennial edition? And they were, and, and, and this was one of the phrases that was on the, the, the cover. It was like, you know, it was like, why, why buy all these hotels? You're never going to be able to afford it, right? You, you'll never be able to have that life. And, and, and this is the mentality. Just go live for now. Just live for now because the future doesn't look so bright. Y'all remember that song back in the 80s, right? My future's so bright, I got to wear shades. Everybody took their shades off and they realized it ain't that bright. <laughs> Why is that? It's because we're just doing everything for now. And so the future doesn't look so great. When we, when we live in a society that just says, the only thing that matters is what you want to do right here and right now, then that's creating a future that doesn't look so bright. But remember, it could always get worse. And if you don't want things to get worse, and if you're not going to prepare for the worst, all right, then what good is now? If God has given us opportunities and resources and He's given us the wisdom 
we should not waste now. We should invest now. How are you investing in your future? How are you investing in the future for the world? How are you investing in eternity? You see, it's real easy for me to say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I probably need to save some money for myself. It might even be something for you to say, well, you know, I, I would save a little bit, you know, so I can help my family out. But, but what about this? What would, would you be willing to invest some of your time, some of your energy, some of your resources to make a difference for eternity? Because you see, if we don't invest in eternity, then it's all a waste. All of it's a waste. Because there's nothing on this planet that's going to remain except for God, God's Word, and people. Those are the only eternal things in this world. And so if we're spending all of our time, all of our energy, all of our resources doing things that don't matter, then let me tell you, you're no better than this boy. You're just wasting, wasting, wasting everything that you've been given. What are you going to do with what you've been given? Did you, did you really? I mean, the Bible says, what do we have that we did not receive? You think, well, I got my job because, I, I mean, I'm just that smart. Well, maybe you are that smart, but who gave you that intelligence? Right? Oh, I got this job because I work hard. Oh, really? Who gave you that health? Oh, I work this job. I got this job because, you know, I got some connections. Oh, really? Who even gave you those connections? Everything that we have comes from God. And just as easy as you've been given, it can be taken away. Right? And if it was taken away, could you still say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Because that's what Job did. Job said, even though he slay me, I will still praise him. Oh my goodness, what kind of faith does Job have? But you see, Job was like, I'm not living for now. I'm living for the future. I'm living for eternity. Because God is the one I worship. I don't worship this stuff. I don't worship this money. I don't worship this temporal living. I worship my God. You all know this principle. Sin may promise pleasure now, but will deliver pain later. This young man, he saw all of his friends out partying, living it up. Man, this is such a great life. Come on, man. And look, you, you got your inheritance now. Let's go out and let's live it up. Isn't it funny that you got all these friends, right, when you got money? You got friends when you got access, right? Oh, you got, you got people coming out of the woodworks. Let's see you, do, let's see you win a million dollars. I bet you you got some friends. People, some family you didn't know you had coming out of the woodworks, right? Going back to my sixth cousin removed, right? <laughs> They're going to show up. But when that money runs out, who's going to be there? And this is what this young man is experiencing. Man, I, I, everything was great. I was having such a great time. But then later came. And when later came, you know what came with it? Pain. There's always going to be a payment for sin. There's always a payment for sin. 
And even though there may be pleasure for a while, the Bible tells us that sin always brings what? Death. Sin always brings death. Sin never, you're never going to see this where sin's just bringing everybody together and it's just a happy-go-lucky thing. No. Sin always destroys. That's the nature of sin. Sin will always take you down, down, down. Remember Jonah? God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to that great city. You mean that, what? You called Nineveh a great city? Those people are sinners? Jonah's like, I ain't going. No. You, you can find somebody else. There are tons of prophets, right? Why me? Why, why do I have to be the one that goes? So he, what does he do? He runs the opposite way. And the Bible tells us this in Jonah. It says he went down into the ship. And it also says this. I think this is interesting, especially in the KJV. It says, he paid the fare thereof. <laughs> that means he, paid, he was going to pay for his sin. He's going to pay for his disobedience because sin always costs you. So it says he went down into the ship. And then he went down into a sleep, right? And then he went down into the ocean, <laughs> right? And he went down into the belly of the whale because sin always takes you down. And I want you to know, some of you who may be struggling with sin today, don't think, don't think you're going to hold on to it and survive. It's going to take you down. It'll take you down. Lifeguards. They sit on the beach, right? And they're looking for people who are going under. Those lifeguards get off that bench and they go out into the water. And that person who's struggling, right, who's going down, that lifeguard is like, look, man, I'm here to save you. I'm trying to save you. Quit fighting me. And if that person starts to drag the lifeguard down, you know what that lifeguard's going to do? He's going to subdue that person. <laughs> Because, no, two of us are not dying out here today, right? I came to save you, but you ain't going to take me down with you. So either yield and let me save you, or I'm going to let you go until you're willing to let me save you, right? Because I promise you, when you are struggling so much that you feel like you're about to die, you're going to be okay with somebody saving you, right? Sometimes God will remove his hand until you give up the struggle. Don't fight God. If sin is taking you down and taking you down and taking you down, realize that God is trying to save you. Don't fight him. Let him save you. But this is what happens. A lot of times people blame God for their poor choices. Oh, if God loved me, why did this happen? Love has nothing to do with it. God does love you. But just because something difficult or hard or bad is happening in your life doesn't mean that God did it. Most of the time, it means that we made a bad decision. We chose poorly. We chose to ignore all the signs that were saying, don't go there. All the people in our lives who were saying, I don't think that's good. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know them like I know them. What? What are you talking about? You just met online. Right? How in the world can you use Batch.com and tell me that you know them? You don't know them. Right? 
And yet, there are times in our lives when God will strategically put signs, flashing lights, put people that will say, do not do this. And yet, we still choose to make our own decisions. And you're a free person. You're a free agent. You can do that. But you've got to understand, when you are doing that, God is not to blame. God's not to blame. This young man ended up in a place, in a bad place, in a hard place, in a place he didn't have to be. And you know, that's, isn't that what's so crazy? Is that he didn't have to be there. He didn't have to, he didn't have to be out there eating what, or actually he didn't even get to eat what the pigs ate. It says he looked at it and he wanted it, but nobody was feeding him. Isn't it kind of crazy to think we end up in a place of our own choosing and you don't have to be there? Don't trade what will be valuable to you later for something that will mean nothing now. Don't trade what's going to be valuable to you later because I've said this before too, later is longer. Later is a lot longer. Eternity is a long honking time. Don't trade what's nothing now. Okay? Don't trade and say, oh, I'd rather have this than eternity. God is trying to bless you. And you need to use what God has given you for eternal purposes. Don't give up something that's really, really valuable now. For something that's meaningless. This young man, he walked away with a bunch of stuff. And in a matter of days, weeks, maybe even months, has nothing to show for it. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, what do, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Jesus has this, this you know, soul-to-soul conversation with his disciples, and he says, listen, guys, I understand. This, can, this world can be tempting. There's a lot of stuff that you're going to see that you might want. There's a lot of things that you're going to see. You're going to say, hey, well, I, I just, let me just have that. And Jesus is saying, you've got to remember, there are some things, there are some things that are just so much more valuable to you in the long run. There are some things that are eternally valuable. Don't trade that for something that means nothing. Nothing. I think it's so crazy how our world conditions us to this. You know, what, what just came out this past, was it Tuesday, September the 10th? Those of you who are Apple people. The iPhone 11, right? The iPhone 11. And last year it was the iPhone 10, right? It, it, two years before that it was, you know, or iPhone X. Then, you know, it was iPhone 9. I mean, just go back three years, you know? It's like every year, something new. Every year, you got to have it. Every year, our society is pushing us to say, oh, you, you, this is the, you can't live without it. I remember back when Seinfeld was on, back when I was in high school, NBC TV, it was must-see TV. 
must see. You must see this. Oh, man, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. NBC, you know, 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Don't you miss it? Where is NBC must see TV now? <laughs> right, we cut the cable. We're all, we're, I'm on Roku, Hulu, who knew, right? <laughs> and I'm telling you, NBC wasn't counting on that. And now it's like, you know, there are all these things in the world that's going to look so great, but I promise you, as, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there ain't nothing new under the sun. And everything that you see, this is meaningless too. It's meaningless. And Jesus said, be careful with your soul because your soul is the most valuable. That's the most valuable treasure you're going to have. Be careful with what you do with it. So to wrap up, this young man, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Can you imagine being in a place where you had everything? I mean, he was at his father's house, and he had everything available to him. He was the son. He could go to the fridge anytime. He didn't even have to go to the fridge. People would bring it to him. And yet now he is out here and because of his bad decisions, walking away from the father, doing his own thing, wasting all that he had, he is now in a place that he never ever imagined he'd be. And some of us may have even had that kind of thing in our own life. Where you ended up in a place you never thought you'd be. This young man, Jesus is telling the story and Jesus kind of takes him to the lowest of the low. You see, pigs are disgusting animals. I don't care how, you know, you might have a pot-bellied pig and you might think, oh, that's the most cute thing I've ever seen. You know what? It's going to be cute fried up. <laughs> I love bacon. <laughs> but, but you know, the fact of the matter is this, is that for a Jewish man to end up in a pig pen is like the most utterly disgusting thing that could happen to him. And so Jesus, I think Jesus is painting this picture because remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to the Pharisees and to the religious people. He's talking to the scribes and to the lawyers and all the people who are just like, I would never do that. So Jesus is saying, oh, let me, just, let me just help you see something here. This young man who thought, who had everything and thought he would never, ever be in a situation, you know where he ends up? He ends up in that place where he is utterly, utterly bankrupt. And you know, all of us need to see, as I was saying last week, that we are all sinners that we are all spiritually, morally bankrupt. We need Jesus because we are all just like this young man. At some point in our life, we have to see that we have strayed so far from the Father that this is where we are. And I want to get you to think about three quick questions. I bet this was going through this young man's mind. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? You 
ever thought that for yourself? You ever, you ever, you ever find yourself in a situation and you just think, man, you know, what am, I, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with the, the money that I have? What am I doing? Does it matter? Does anything that I do matter? I'm sure he was thinking this at this point. I'm sure you've probably thought this at some point in your life. What am I doing here? Oftentimes, we don't really take evaluation of these kind of deep soul questions until we're in a place where we realize we are utterly bankrupt. This young man has left his father's home and he finds himself in a situation where no one is giving to him. And I think it's interesting that it points that out to us, that no one is giving to him when his father gave him everything. Think about that. His father gave him everything, and what did he do with it? Maybe you're not getting anything else because of how you used what you were given. How is it? How, how dare we think we deserve more when we're not taking what we've been given and using it wisely? And so this young man ends up in a situation where he says, oh, you know, I need to be hired. I need to go out and, get, and find this work. And so he ends up taking a job just feeding pigs. And I promise you, he was thinking, what am I doing here? Have you ever thought this? What was I thinking? <laughs> what in the world was I thinking? I mean... I, I promise you, he is going through this in his mind. What was I thinking going to my dad and saying, Dad, I just wish you were dead. Just give me what I, what I deserve now. What was I thinking? Some of you may have had this happen in a relationship, maybe even with your spouse, and you say something, and then you wish you could take it back, and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> right? Well, well I, 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 didn't, I didn't really mean that. What was I thinking? And you end up in a situation because you were not thinking before you spoke. I bet you this young man, if he could go back and undo some of his choices, he would have gone back and said, Dad, what was I thinking? And you'll see next week, he does that. He does that. But my question to you today is, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you going to do with the time? with the resources, with the energy that you have. I hit 50 in June. Actually, 50 hit me. <laughs> and I've been feeling it lately. <laughs> I ain't joking. I've been feeling it all over. And, and you know, one of the things that has struck me is this. Is I'm running out of time. I tried running. <laughs> and time is faster than me these days, right? And I've been trying to catch it. But one of the things that I'm realizing is this, is that it is running faster than I am. And that's reminding me that sooner or later, we're all going to have a final day. We're all going to come to a point in our lives when we're, when we're like, hey, it's, this is it. And I promise you, there are people who are on their deathbeds today who are not saying, wow, I wish I'd have built my portfolio a little bit better. 
There are not people who are on their deathbeds today who are counting up their collections of cars. They're not thinking about that stuff. All they want is more time and they can't get it. More time with their loved ones. More time with their children. More time to go back and do the things that really matter. And so today, what are you thinking? What are you thinking is really important? What are you thinking is really going to matter? And so maybe you need to think ahead and put yourself in that place. And imagine when that day comes for you, what do you want to be able to say? What do you want said about you? Third and final question is this, is where is my hope? Where is my hope? This young man at one point thought, oh, you know, the only thing that matters is what I got right now. And what he had right now, he realized how insecure that was. Several years ago when crash market, cra I mean the stock market crashes, everybody realized where their hope was. It wasn't in the stock market. <laughs> it wasn't in Wall Street. It wasn't in my 401k because my 401k didn't roll over. <laughs> it rolled away, right? And so what happens is this, is that when these difficult times come, you find out where your hope is. And this young man, he had all of his hope in his youth, had all of his hope in all of his resources, had all of his hope in his friends, and then he finds himself in the situation where no one gave to him. And he's saying, where's my hope now? What do I have hope in? What and where is your hope? What I think is so awesome is this, is that no matter how far away from home you are, the journey back starts with one step. One step. No matter how difficult, how bad your life has been, you can always come back home. You know, you've, those of you who've left home, you know, and your parents, you left on good terms. Your parents are always saying this, right? You can always come home. But you know what? Even if you leave on bad terms, and you talk to your parents, you know what they're saying? You can always come home. You can always come home. If your earthly parents know how to do and say that to you, how much more your heavenly Father is saying that this morning. That no matter how bad, how, how far, how long you've been away from home, you can still come home. You're still welcome here. There's always room for you. This young man, I, I love this verse in Luke 15 verse 17 look at what it says when he finally came to his senses <clears throat> when he finally he's like he's like just hits him he's like dude what was i thinking where's my hope my hope was not here with these pigs my hope was not in somebody else who's going to give me something because nobody's giving me anything my hope is in my father my hope is in my father's house. That's the only place where I have hope. And you know what he does? He says, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. 
And next week we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But today, let me ask you, are you willing to come home? The most sensible thing you can do is return to your father. The most sensible thing you can do. It says when he came to his senses. I don't know what it took. You know, we got five senses. And I promise you, in that pig pen, he was probably using every one of them. I don't know. If it, have you ever been around? I mean, I hate horses. And I used to have to, uh, at the camp I used to work at, I, sometimes a very, on very rare occasions, I had to go and take care of the horses. I had to brush them down. And it was disgusting. And I'm using this brush, right? And this dust and stuff is going on around. I'm smelling it. It's getting in my eyes. It's getting in my mouth. I taste it, right? Yeah, it's horrible. I promise you, in this pig pen, he was using every one of his senses. And that's when it dawned on him. This is not where I need to be. This is not the place I was made for. This is not my home. So why am I here? I don't have to be here. And the most sensible thing for me to do is not stay here. And yet there's some people who can see it, they can taste it, they can feel it. Everybody in the world is telling them this is not where you need to be. But until you see it, until you come to your senses, you're not going to go back home. But let me, let me just say this to you. Today, if God is rattling your cage a little bit, today if God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, this makes sense, right? This makes sense. The most sensible thing for you to do is return home. You don't have to stay where you are. You can come home. Some translations and some commentators tell us this, that when, when that phrase is used, when he came to his senses, it says this. It says, when he came to himself. When he came to himself. It's almost like this. Have you ever been so frustrated, you've been so kind of just going crazy, going bonkers, that you say this, I'm beside myself, right? You're beside yourself, right? Well, that's the idea, is that this kid had been going through so many different kinds of things, he was beside himself. Literally, he was just out of his mind, and all of a sudden, when he is sitting there with these pigs, it dawns on him. He has this revelation, and he's no longer beside himself. He sees himself says, this is not where I need to be. I'm getting out of here, and I'm going home. How about you? You see, when he saw himself, he realized where he needed to be. When he saw himself, when he saw himself, it wasn't everybody else. I mean, other people saw him. People are walking by and they're like, dude, aren't you, aren't, what, isn't your father like the wealthy guy up there, right? But you see, sometimes when we start making these kind of decisions, we don't really care what everybody else is saying. We just want to be free, just want to do what we're going to do, just going to whatever. But what you've got to realize is that you're attached to a family. What you've got to realize is that you carry a name. But you see, this young man needed to own his name. He needed to own his identity. And when he came to himself and he realized, hey, you know what? That's my father. <laughs> That's my father's house. And I don't need to be here in the pig pen. When he came to himself, he made a different decision. And next week we're going to talk about how the father celebrated his homecoming.
but today, it can be your homecoming. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till we have a sermon on homecoming. Today, if it's time for you to come to your senses, let me encourage you, take that step today. You don't have to stay where you are. There's always room at the Father's house. If the band would come on up, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads in prayer. And maybe you need to ask yourself a couple of those questions again. What have I been thinking? Where is my hope? Is sin taking me down and down and down? How have I been fighting God instead of submitting and surrendering to Him? Today, you can come home if you're willing to just make that decision. So, Father God, we pray that today, as we've looked into your word and we've studied this young man, this story that Jesus gave us, Lord, all of us can see ourselves in similar situations. And as that song said, when we are lost, bring us back to you. God, today, for some, just being here is a way to, for us to see that you're trying to bring us back to you. And we're so grateful, God, that you love us right where we are. And that with one decision, one step, we can be back home. Maybe you're here and you haven't renewed your relationship with Jesus in a while. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with God at all. And today is the day when you can be welcomed into his family. And it's just that one step, that one decision, that one prayer that will change your destiny. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lost his soul? Jesus died on the cross so that we would not lose our souls. But we have to make a decision to follow Him as our Lord and Savior. And today, if that's you, I want to encourage you, right there where you're sitting, you can just pray something simply like this. Jesus, take my life. Save me. Forgive me for my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. If you're praying something like that, I'm telling you, there's a party in heaven today. The Bible says that there is much rejoicing over any sinner that comes home. I want to encourage you to share that with us during this song. If you're making some decisions today, or maybe you need some prayer today, let me encourage you, take that step. Don't stay where you are. Move according to the Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.